All right, you may be seated. So we had fun with this last time. Uh, we, we like to mix things up every once in a while here. And so we got to see all the sinners that, shows up, that show up late, because now it's really awkward. They show up and I'm talking. And so they think they've missed everything that is going on. And so uh, we'll find out if there's anybody in fir- or second service here. First service, there was a few. So, um, yeah. But, you know, we are excited about the things that are happening at Movement Church. It's been such an exciting time for us and all the different things that are happening. You know, it's crazy to think that November of 2020, we started discussing this. Well, 19, right? Was that 19? Good night. It just seems like forever ago. I don't know. 2019, this was just this this idea, and then all of a sudden now it's what it is. And so what we're going to do is over the next six weeks, we're going to chat about what is a movement and what is the movement. And uh, one of the big things that, that we did as a, as a team, a lot of people don't know this, we had a group of people that, that started to come together uh, back in uh, December of 2019. Let me tell you how this began. 2019, we got a group of people together, and we said, hey, you want to come be a part of this? And they were like, uh, I don't know. I was like, well, here's all we want you to do. We want you to show up one time, hear us out, hear out like, what we're going to do, what's happening, and then you have a month to pray about it, think about it, talk about it, and then make your decision whether or not you want to be a part of it. And so we had a group of people that showed up. Some were like, you guys are crazy. Absolutely not. Others were like, yeah, that sounds crazy. Let's do it. And, uh, and so uh, that's kind of how the team formed. And then from there, we met every week, worshiped together, and uh, celebrated together, and uh, did all sorts of fun, crazy things. And that's led to where we're at now. But one of the things that we could not do as a team, and we prayed about it, we talked about it, we discussed it, we even had some ideas, was to come up with this idea of who we were as a people. And so a lot of times, like, different churches have these different things where they can say, like, this is, this is who we are. This is what defines us. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, like, some people are like, uh, what's the well again? Filled, filled, something freed. I don't know. It's, it, they got a lot of Fs in their name or something. I don't know. But we were trying to figure out, okay, what, what makes us who we are? I put Jules, like, right on the spot. She had no idea. She's like, come on, what are you doing, dude? And so, uh, Praying about this, really focusing in on what it is that God's called us to be, um, I believe that we're called to be an exchanged people that engage in what it is that he has for us so that we can experience the blessings that he has, point blank. And, uh, and some people are like, dude, experience the blessings, like you're doing this. Like, yeah, we experience so much from what it is that God does for us when we engage. And, uh, and I think that a lot of times we don't look at some of the things as blessings when truly they are. Sometimes God doesn't answer a prayer the way you want it answered, and that is a blessing. I can't, I can't, I can't tell you like how many times I prayed for different things that God shut the door on, and if those things would have come true, my life would never look the way that it looks right now. I wouldn't be with the wife that I have right now. And, uh, and I just think that it's incredible to see how God orchestrates and makes things happen. And so we're going to start these first two weeks about what it looks like to be an exchanged people. And, and I absolutely love this uh, because uh, here it is, we're an exchange people engaging in what it is that God has for us to experience even more. And what it means to be exchanged is this act of giving one thing to receive another. An act of giving one thing and receiving another, something else in, in place. And, and so in this Christian walk, we saw this past week of people that exchanged their, their old life for the new, exchanged 
death for life. These different things that take place, and sometimes it's exchanging actions or exchanging maybe these things that you do to, to be able to follow God even closer or what it is that he's calling you to do. Everything looks different. But for these things to take place, we must exchange the old for the new and for what it is that God has for us. And so that's exactly what it says, exchanging our old ways for the new. This goes a long ways. Let me tell you a story. I didn't tell this first service, but um, something for me when I, when I think about exchanging old for new was uh, I used to ref uh, soccer. I would ref uh, high school soccer, amateur soccer, different, different higher level soccer. And uh, when I first started refing, one of the things that I would do is, is you get pumped up. Like, you know, I, I knew what it was like to play soccer. I knew what it was like to play baseball. And so what I would do is I'd throw my earbuds in, and I'm ready to roll. Like, I'm, I'm warming up, and I got the music playing, and I know how I'm going to play. I don't know if any of you guys in here that are athletes, like, remember that kind of stuff and doing that, but you had, like, your pump-up songs. I'm going to date myself a little bit. Like, mine was, like, Limp Biscuit, Blink-182, those type of things, like, a little bit of Disturbed, and... Uh, and so, like, yeah, you're like, dude, and this guy's talking to me right now. But um, <laughs> it got worse from there. But, um, but what I would do is I'd listen to that music. I'd get pumped up for a game, and I'd go out to ref this game, and then all of a sudden I have this chip on my shoulder because I just got pumped up. Like, I'm ready. Like, oh, no, no, you're going to talk to me that way? Like, uh-uh, boom, card. What's up now, dude? But then I started to realize that if I exchange that music for something a little bit more chill, I was actually able to officiate a little bit better. I was actually able to kind of orchestrate things and deal with situations a whole lot better because I wasn't so frustrated and angry out of the gate. So exchanging that, that old to experience life in a new way. And so one of the big things that we're going to talk about today is this. What are we exchanging our lives for? What is this exchange for? We talk about it often, you know, we talk about Jesus, right? This whole past uh, thing that we were in, this journey with Jesus to the cross. And so we talk a lot about that. We've talked about the Holy Spirit that comes in and, and just kind of tells you and, and helps orchestrate things and deals with you a little bit. Um, I said earlier today, like, you guys can probably all pretty much agree with me on this one, but man, sometimes the Spirit comes in and says, yeah, you probably shouldn't say that. I don't know how many times, like, somebody has said something to me, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, and there are some things that I want to say to somebody, but then I got this, like, little, you know, the angel and the devil thing. Like, ah, oh, dude, don't, don't be saying that. Like, come on now. And time and time again, you deal with that. But that's what I love about God the Spirit is that he's there to help you work through things, to kind of check yourself every once in a while. And so we're going to talk about this today. And so... The triune God, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, you can follow along with me up here. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting, him, alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, who I love, with him I am well. Please listen to me real quick, okay? Straight up, point blank. Triune God, the three-in-one that whole concept is not written in Scripture anywhere, but it is very evident as to what it is and how it is that God works. You see, the, the Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. 
the son is not the father. But then you see that they all three come back to be God himself. Um, Kristen, you want to come up here again? She, got, she, she loved this part last time, and so I thought I would do it again. <laughs> you, you do it great, though. Give her a hand real quick. Yep, see. And online, you should give her a hand as well. You can hear that online. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to I tell you guys something, all right? I want to share something. I hope that this helps you a little bit. Guys, I, I need you to stick with me for a minute here, okay? And if you're not married... I need you to really stick with me here. Hear me out. One of my favorite verses when we were first getting married and, and relationship was happening was the scripture that says, wives, submit to your husbands. Like that is biblical. Wives, submit to your husbands. That means that you need to do whatever I say. Like, hey, we need some Raymond noodles. Go make them. I don't know. That's what biblically says. You need to go make those noodles. Don't look at me like that, man. They're good. Chicken, the chicken ones. Yeah, what do you call them? Ramen? Nah. I'm from Ohio, dude. Come on now. You people. I apologize to everybody watching online right now. We have a lot of uneducated people here that think it's ramen, not Raymond. Ugh. So anyways, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Apparently, I'm the only one that's, that's wrong here, so confessing that right now. But one of the things that I learned, though, was, uh, and I had to learn this. Guys, I need you to learn this. We came into this as equals. It wasn't, it's not, the scripture isn't written, wives submit to your husbands and do whatever they ask you to do. No, no, no. What it is is that we have different roles. We have different responsibilities in this relationship. Kind of like this, you know, I am not Kristen, and Kristen is not me, but we're equally parents. We're equally spouses. We're in this together equally. So my word doesn't trump her word. Her word doesn't trump my word, and my kids have learned that a lot. Like, hey, Mom, can I have my switch back? No. Hey, Dad... Mom said to ask you, you're lying, sinners. But my word doesn't trump hers. And what I love about this relationship and the way that a biblical marriage looks is that it's the same thing as the triune God. Holy Spirit's no more God than the Son. The Son is no more God than the Father. And the Father is no more God than the Holy Spirit. Three and one. And God uses a marriage to be able to share and show what that looks like. Thank you so much. You did a great job. Everybody give her a hand. And so I love it because it's very much proven here. And then even in the Old Testament, time and time again, it's proven and shown that the Holy Spirit comes in different forms and different ways. God the Father speaks and God the Son walks. He's very much a part of that. Jesus Christ in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem these under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. This is what this scripture means. 
This means that when you are adopted into the kingdom, because Jesus Christ himself, because of what he did on the cross, what this journey looked like, all of a sudden now, now we can be adopted into that kingdom. And what is so incredible about this is I want to share a story with you real quick because I think that this is going to ring very true to some of you in here today or some of you even online today. About two years ago, we had a, this fall retreat in our St. Mary's uh, campgrounds with a bunch of teenagers. And uh, we had a, a pastor that, that spoke that day about the labels that we are placed upon our, that are placed upon our lives. And... Uh, and so one of the exercises began with, uh, you know, labeling who it is that people or the world defined you. And, you know, for some teens, they spoke out and said it was that they were stupid or they were dumb or they were worthless or they weren't good enough. And time and time again, that's how they were labeled. Family didn't want them. Friends didn't want them. Nobody wanted them. That's what they felt like. But then after seeing something like this, that Jesus himself, Jesus himself adopts you into that kingdom, when you look at adoption and you think about that, truly God is taking you in and making you his own. And what I love about this, and in scripture it even points this out, that you are no longer called by your name. You are now a child of God. So all these labels that the world might have put on you, all these labels that family or friends or whoever might have labeled you with, God says you are not those things. Let me show you what you truly are. And now we wear that name tag of you are a child of God. Those other things don't define you. That is what defines you. And then we move into the Holy Spirit in John chapter 7, verse 39. By this, he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Listen to me, church. I got to point something out real quick, okay? Jesus himself did not come for the very first time when he was born of a Virgin Mary. That was not his first entrance into this world. That wasn't the birth of God the Son. He was always here, infinitely here, never a time without him. The Spirit, John chapter 7, verse 39, by this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given. That doesn't mean anything. Look, what this is saying right here is this isn't saying this is the birth of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was here. The Holy Spirit appeared to Moses. The Holy Spirit appeared time and time again in the Old Testament. But here's what it's saying is that Jesus at this time tells his disciples that the one, the Spirit, would come and be with them when he could not, no longer be with them in the flesh. Always there, 100% there, 100% God, from the beginning, the Holy Spirit the Father, and the Son. There wasn't a time without them here. So here's what it's all about, is a movement of people experiencing God together. We're called to do this together. We're called to be in this together. Time and time again throughout the journey over the past six weeks, it was pointed out that Jesus was all about relationships. He was all about doing things together. And so that's why we worship together. That's why we celebrate together. That's why we pray together. And we try to do different things to experience God in different ways. 
together. That might be in a big outreach event like what we did. That might be through a painting done by the artist Ethan Smith. These are for sale, by the way. $750 a canvas. Um, you can make that check out to Richie Griffith. And uh, I'll, get you, I'll give you your percentage, one. <laughs> You're like, man, look at that. You look at you. Um, but experiencing God in different ways together. We all learn, we all experience in different ways and in different forms together. So what are some things that we can do to experience God? We just learned who God is, and, and we learned about what this looks like in our lives, but how can we apply these things that we just learned? Well, the big one is listen. So many times we get caught up in these places where we don't want to stop and listen. In this marriage, for the longest time, I wanted to, to speak a lot. I, I had a lot to say, and when I did all the speaking, even when there was a disagreement, that wouldn't fix anything because I wasn't willing to listen. But when I learned about this thing called listening, man, I must have been a difficult child at times because I, I don't think I ever listened up to this point that I started to realize that there's this thing called listening. I just wanted to give my two cents on literally everything. And so, um, anyways, I'm just being real here. It's... <laughs> And so I still struggle with listening sometimes. But um, when I started to learn about listening in the relationship, listening in the marriage, things change. And the same thing happens with your relationship with God when you can stop and you can learn to just listen. God will give you things that you've never expected before. But I need to, I need to warn you. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again just because I believe that this is a warning you need to have. Sometimes the word that God is going to say to you isn't the word that you're hoping for. Sometimes you're expecting this big, glorious, like, aha! But it doesn't come that way. Sometimes it's just this little whisper. Or sometimes it might be that thing that you wanted forever, but God's like, yeah, you don't need that. That's just going to destroy your relationships. That's just going to destroy the things that I've called you to. And it's going to look different. So I need you to listen. On the other side of that, though, you need to be able to speak. You need to be able to speak boldly with faith, knowing that God can do big things. I have prayed some pretty bold prayers in my life, and God has definitely stepped up. But I've also prayed some pretty bold prayers that God shut down. You have to be willing to speak up, to talk. He wants to talk with you one-on-one. -on -one, you have that opportunity any time that you need it, you can speak and you can listen to God. When you receive it, you have to respond to it. And so if we're going to speak and we're going to listen, we have to respond. One of my, one of my, one of my biggest pet peeves, and Peyton can agree with me on this one, he's like, oh, dude, don't talk about me. But parents, listen to me. You're right here with me. They're here playing their, their cell phones or their video games, and you ask them a question. And then you ask that question again. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's what you give back, uh-huh. But I'm going to ask you this question again. Like, what kind of response does God deserve, this creator of the universe? That 
that's really the reality of it. Like, I gave you that crap, man. I gave you that DS, right? Or I gave you that cell phone. Like, are you kidding me? And God's sitting here in the same place, in the same spot saying, I gave you all this stuff and you're ignoring me for that. What in the world are you doing? God deserves response from you. Don't leave that out. Kids, in the back, listen to me. Respond to your parents. They deserve it. Peyton, you too. Respond when God speaks. Even if it's not what you wanted to hear, you need to respond. And the last thing, you respond in worship. We respond in worship. And worship doesn't mean sitting here singing a song, but that's a part of our worship. Worship is how you live your life. It's the things that you do in life. It's the way that you look. It's the way that you talk. It's the things that you did out here with the thousand people walking up to our property. That was worship. We were worshiping God and the things that he did. Listen, time and time again, we were told that we were crazy for doing something like that. Why in the world would a church spend that kind of money? Why in the world would a church expect to have that kind of people show up? What do you, why wouldn't you shut it down at 300 people? Well, because God made it very evident that this is how it was supposed to be. And when you're obedient to God in your worship and the things that you receive, God is going to be obedient to you time and time again.